Hello there, and welcome to the Cargo Bay, a Star Wars conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I am Brady C. here with my co-host, back from the revolution on Rick's Road. It's Adam B. <laughs> I'm feeling Adam a little worse B. for wear, BC. How are you doing? Ooh, things are getting hairy out there on Rick's Road, man. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's uh, more like Los Angeles than it's ever been <laughs> out here on Rick's Road. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was watching um, like a combination of January 6th coverage or like a Star Wars show, which was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the mixture of like, um, you know, police Imperials or like Imperials not in Stormtrooper outfits and then the Stormtroopers behind. I was like, I recognize this. This reminds me of uh, George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> George Floyd pr- protests. Also a little like French Revolution uh, action yeah. going on there, too, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if in, in case you're lost and you don't know what you're uh, hearing us talking about, we're referring, of course, to the finale episode or episodes of season one of Andor. Just a masterpiece uh, that yeah. we have been loving the entire time. This is actually the first time we are talking to each other about these last two episodes. So, yeah, should we just should we just skip the pleasantries and just dive right into what you thought about this? Because that's what I'd love to find out about. Yeah, we've got Daughter of Ferrix episode eleven and Rick's Road episode twelve are sort of our our two part finale here. Well, I'm I'm glad to say that uh, this continues on the trajectory for me of being terrified that this show will will suddenly start being not good or not as good as it has been. And in fact, being like, oh, I think that episode was my favorite episode. Oh, I think that episode was my favorite. I mean, I, d- I don't know that the last episode stands alone. Obviously, it's built on the whole season. But uh, yeah, I was very pleased with how this show wrapped up, BC. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I was, uh, again, uh, pleased, uh, just elated with this entire experience of Andor. Um, I I woke up early and watched Rick's Road because uh, I, I had some trouble sleeping. This was while I was uh, at my at my folks for a uh, little Thanksgiving vacay, which was nice. nice. Um, but I popped into the other room. I was like, ah, it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. No one's doing anything. So I was like, I'll just... I just popped it on my phone because I didn't want to disturb anybody, but I was like, it's out, so I should, I'm should. i going to get on it. And even just sitting there watching it on my phone in silence, I was like, I love this show so much. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, I've, I've since, I just finished a, a rewatch of, of the finale, um, the final two episodes again. I love it. I, I think this show has lived up to, lived up and like exceeded any expectations I could have had for a Star Wars project, especially on Disney. Um, I, I think it's it's been kind of exactly what I've always wanted as a as a Star Wars fan, which uh, has been I mean just very pleasing to have given to me uh, in the highest quality. Yeah, I can't I can't believe it. Um, I felt like you know kind of a jerk sometimes with my criticisms of Star Wars, which I love all flavors of, even when it's bad, I love it. Um, but I guess my expectations just aren't usually met. You know, because I know there's there's amazing things out there and there are amazing filmmakers out there who make these things. Um, And sometimes I've just, you know, I've been like, where's where's the thing that is clearly out of my league as far as conceptualizing a show and like expectations of what it should look like and present itself as and being like, oh, well, I don't really have any notes. (laughs) Like I have a few tiny notes, but it's really just preference. It's not like that was bad storytelling. Can I pose this to you because uh, just as a thought, question, experiment sort of thing. So I don't. I, I try to have no expectations going into Andor. Um, right. Do you do you think your experience with with this was at all flavored by Book of Boba and and Kenobi being perhaps less than what we expected? I mean, this is good. No, I mean, yeah. I, there's no bones about it. But were your were your expectations sufficiently? Um, you know, in a place set. to be blown out of the water, <laughs> right? Yeah, were were they were they because I'm I'm always like I don't have any expectations for Kenobi, and then of course I do because it's it's Obi Wan Kenobi, and I I get let down when it's not like exactly what I wanted, and for this is like I I don't have any expectations, but I I legitimately felt like 
I, I, my expectations are just like, I'm going to go for the ride because I have been burned with my like, no expectations feelings going into Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. Was there any of that for you? Like, or, or did the, did it not matter? I, I don't know how exactly I felt because that first trailer I saw at the convention, I was like, oh, this looks different. Like it might be really good. Um, so I at least had that buzzing around of like, it might be really good. And some of the early reviews were like, this is like a prestige television show. And I was like, yeah, right. So my expectations were at least like there. It's like, uh, it's not going to be, be where it is. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I think whatever place I was in this to me, um, I think it's a difference between this and rogue one. Um, because I do like rogue one and I think it's well-made, um, but there's some level of quality here and, the the story knows where it's going. It's like yeah. the biggest thing. It's been so long since we had a Star Wars thing that knew where it was going to end up and like got there in a well crafted way. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I would have liked it in a vacuum. At least I hope so because I I can't think of any other Star Wars uh, minus you know Empire uh, that I think is better conceived than this. Right. I mean, you, you made a good point about the whenever that first trailer came out, maybe I don't know I'm sure if it was the first one, but there was there was a specific trailer that came out where the buzz around it afterwards was like, there's we shot on locations. And I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> like just like the textures and the look of what you got yeah. in that like two minutes. You're like this seems like it might be something different. There's and, real dirt. Yeah, and <laughs> man, did it deliver on that promise. I mean, yeah. in, in terms of, I mean, I don't think anything compares to this that they've done visually on on the D plus. Uh, no, Mandalorian included. Uh, Obi Wan was good. look. Mandalorian looks great. I thought Kenobi looked like kind of like a turd. Um, yeah, and Book of Boba Fett the same. I mean, they were. I mean, they were fine, but nothing even close i mean this there's the cinematic scale on this like legitimately i i feel like yeah yeah it's it's weird that you have a much smaller scale story that makes again it makes everything feel bigger it's like hey it yeah. worked <laughs> there's you focus on one little town um and uh to to me like part of what makes the finale so great is you understand the limited resources of the empire in this in this universe it's like oh well mostly we're over here dealing with this base that we just bombed so you've got your whatever Deidre you've got your little force over there on Ferrix like good luck <laughs> you know no one's no one's coming to the rescue immediately um I've been I've been reading EU novels I've been reading the X-Wing books and they're constantly talking about like that's eight hours away that's two days away <laughs> right <laughs> like uh which is something I've complained about a lot um and I felt that in this show, like pitting one small force against another just makes everything more believable. Um, yeah, it's small scale. It contextualizes things in a very nice way. I, I think the the way that the Empire is presented in this, the way that, that Ferrix itself is presented in this, the, the clarity of those two things is something I don't... Th- I think... Uh, for me, Rebels, I think, has a little bit of that yeah. in terms of, of how that Lothal is presented. You know, that there's a yeah. locality, that there's a there's a township, that there's the way that, that the rebellion is going to function here. Seeing it in live action is a little bit different, but I think for me the biggest thing is, is how it's kind of repositioned the empire in my mind through this show you know obviously they've always always they have always been bad right like right. that's yeah. never been a secret like yes they are bad but they've always been this like pillar or totem of a wall of just evil that that has no very little texture to me now it, it makes a lot more sense that they are going into like for me the the more they dive into the bureaucracy of it the more i i really enjoy it and the yeah. more it, it even has like it paints what what the rest of the empire is in Star Wars. I mean, it would be interesting to go back and watch, you know, the original trilogy movies now that it's sort of been recontextualized for me and how I view the empire, which I think is one of the cool coolest things that this show has done is is how it has positioned them and their limited resources and their infighting and all of that sort of stuff that I just like eat up that they're not like 
we're perfectly in step and we know exactly what we're doing. And... We're a ghost army that rose out of Exegol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's that we all are animated at the exact same time, so we move in unison. That there's there's genuine menace to even the stormtroopers in this lap, last episode, where it's I, you've never felt like real fear at seeing like a couple of lone stormtroopers. Yeah, but the way that they can just position them in Ferrex and have them with blasters, there's a, a much a, a much more immediate sense of danger with them now than there ever was before, which I think yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's really good to feel like they're <laughs> like the Empire is a confident and terrifying enemy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good it's a good thing. I mean, it, it, if you want your, your hero to feel worthy of the challenge, you need to have a, a villain that is, that is of the same quality. I mean, before, you know, if you have Darth Vader is iconic, you know, the Emperor, yeah. there's, there's, those are iconic characters. But, I mean, I think what this do, tells you is obviously the Empire is, is more than just those icons and those totems. It's, it's these outliers, it's these outposts, it's these small-minded fascists who are all over yeah. the place who are seeking to control little pockets of power throughout the galaxy that make it uh, give it a lot more texture as opposed to sort of the the iconography of Vader or the emperor and has true menace and evil permeating throughout the entire thing which yeah. has i mean they've just been sort of nameless figures and faces before and now it even i mean if we don't know their names that that there's um there's characteristics in all these characters that I think just have been lacking. Yeah, if you if you what you take away from World War II is Hitler is bad, uh, you're kind of missing <laughs> the bigger point, which is like, no, what's really terrifying is that a bunch of people got swept up and <laughs> you know supported right, him, and there were other despots to also yeah. help. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. let's acknowledge that yes. <clears throat> You came to the party with the right idea. Yes, Hitler is <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah. That's a good start. Now what we need to do is ask a few more probing questions of how was this allowed to happen? <laughs> you know, because it, it's it's not just one guy. It's never been just one guy. It's the I mean, it's the machine of it all, right? Which I think is what they're doing really well is is painting the machine. I thought it was really. I, I mean, for me, it was perfect in the prison episode the way that that was depicted. In terms of this is the machine that they are in, as they're spoiler alert building the machine that is going to be the machine of Star Wars. You know, we yeah. get the we get the our our first post credit scene, which I, I was not pleased to hear that there was a post credit uh, scene yeah, yeah. because I I typically hate them. But this yeah. is how you should do it. You don't introduce a new character. You just do a special effect shot that didn't fit else. You know, like just yeah. give a little sprinkle candy at the at the end. Uh, yeah, I I thought it was. I don't know. Uh, the season, I think, is perfect. It exists as, like, one perfect season of Star Wars television. We're getting another one. It's filming. It's I think it's underway as of, like, this week. Uh, yeah. Just recently started. Um, I do want to go into uh, maybe a little bit more specifics in yeah. these two episodes. Um, yeah, because we haven't even talked about... That's what's crazy. We haven't talked about episode 11 yet, either. Uh, no, we <laughs> haven't. So there's a lot to cover. It ha and I'll say so. Uh, episode eleven has one of my favorite Star Wars moments, which is the Luthen escaping. Yeah, yeah. from from the ship. Uh, from using the Colin Cantwell yes. destroyer. I was so the, excited. I was yeah, so the, happy. The Cantwell class destroyer, which visually looks perfect. Here's my, there it uh, is. Here's my signed print. Um, Amazing. When my my fiance got this for me, but when we were picking like what print to get, I remember being like, uh, maybe I'll get a different one. Anyway, I finally settled on this one, and I wondered if that was the right choice. And now I'm like, I've got his signature on his named after him <laughs> destroyer, and it's it's perfect. And the, I mean, it's not a ship that I or probably a lot of other people would have been familiar with before this. Yeah. But it looks perfect in this universe. Yeah. It works like the 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 sort of like hunting down, you know, the hall ships with that tractor beam on the front, like looks amazing, functions perfectly. Um and the way that Luthen 
like starts deploying all of his countermeasures to make the escape i'm like yes this is exactly what i want to me i mean that was that was perhaps my my favorite moment i mean i think it was my favorite moment of the episode i'm trying to think of of anything else that would would contend with that but for me that was like i don't know peak star wars stuff yeah, that was awesome. And the uh, the the chaff, like the the mirror chaff that he uses to screw up the uh, tractor beam, yes. that's something that was in High Republic. They discussed that concept of like they got into the technical details of how that would work. Um, so I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but my point was it was cool to see that like echoed in the show of like, yeah. oh yeah, the the people who were behind the the like canon of star wars are you know they're thinking about this stuff <laughs> it's, it's good <laughs> yes it is uh very very good stuff so i i mean i don't have a like a written thing uh in terms of what happened in the episode yeah. essentially where, where we're at is marva we're we're in the aftermath of marva's passing tragic yeah. oh, uh we get that that we pov just... shot from <laughs> from b2, b2. Emo. <laughs> Man, I, they they come in and just crush the emotions with some of that B two emo stuff, in terms of like I want my Marva, and you're like, oh my, like, and I I I got over the like, does this, do we have to rethink how droids feel in the Star Wars universe? I'm like, no, just enjoy the fact that <laughs> yeah. this happened, and it's like one of the most gut wrenching moments, and it comes from a droid, you know, yeah. Um, the moment of him, uh, like, having Brasso stay because he doesn't want to leave, and Brasso's like, fine, I'll stay with you tonight, or yeah. we'll leave. <laughs> like, man, some of that stuff, like, that's the sort of stuff that, that just crushes me and I love because it's unexpected. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, I mean, all of this, her death being kind of the main story engine, I think, obviously, for, for what these two episodes are, that... Is going to lead to a funeral. Um, we get this uh, sort of the the history, a little more history of of what happens on Ferrix, where sort of noted citizens are are fired into a brick and literally become part of the town or, or how it, the foundations are built. Um, more on that brick later. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we we kind of learned that Marva is going to be fired into a brick and become part of Ferrix. Um, we get a little bit more of, um, Mon Mothman, her daughter, uh, who we yeah. find out is like a Christian fundamentalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> the, Shrant- the Shandrillan equivalent of a Christian fundamentalist. Which, what a, what a great, uh, twist to throw in. Like, beautiful. <laughs> it's wonderful. She's on, she's on the opposite side, of course. <laughs> yeah. She's she wants to be a child bride uh, of traditional Shandrillan marriage, and Mon Mothman's like, great, because I could really use some of this uh, banking connection to start moving some money around. So, see ya. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that that all uh, starts to play. Um, we've got Luthen escaping. Uh, Cassian and Melshi are are on the lamb <laughs> yeah, after having after having escaped from. Uh, from their what Narkina Five, yeah, uh, and they they get trapped in that gooey web. Our by only those... our only alien like significant alien appearances in Andor, yeah, um, which is which is great. Uh, love these guys. Love that you know the internet has correctly pointed out like you had the Mole Man and Obi Wan that acted like a nice guy and was you know <laughs> conniving awful uh person and and then you have these guys that are kind of rough around the edges and then are like oh yeah you know solidarity <laughs> down with the empire yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so they're they're on the right side of history which is great for these uh mole men <laughs> or whatever they yeah. Are. <laughs> yeah. and they've got a quad uh, jumper uh i like that ship design always have mm-hmm. that's cool um and so they're gonna they're gonna take uh melshi and cassie and they they pop them back to space miami yeah. Um, where luckily Cassian is able to retrieve his uh, his loot box that he's yeah. got. Um, that of course gonna have uh, it's gonna have his blaster. It's gonna have his credits, and uh, we we are going to return to the the revolutionary text uh, that exists, uh, which which is going to also uh, just be 
part of that chorus, uh, fighting against the Empire and the, and the thought machine. Um, so we've got all of that sort of uh, going on as we as we get ready to move into the finale. Um, I I loved this episode as a standalone. Yeah. And but even knowing that it was you know leading up to the finale, it's like I don't know. It's I thought I'd be disappointed that I have to wait for another one, but like it left me satisfied. It left me looking forward yeah. to the next one. I thought it was perfect. I was looking forward to it. I was also I was still just nervous of like how do we land this thing? Um, mm-hmm. How are we going to have this big finale? that makes sense <laughs> like is anytime star wars starts to approach i was just thinking of the end of the book of boba fett right where we're yeah we're kind of setting up for this meeting of everything and yes. you know couldn't be two more different examples of how to execute that <laughs> like um and i'm you know i don't i don't mean to just just crud on the book of boba fett but obviously i think comparisons are justified we're talking about the same universe and the same franchise i get a little upset when when i read people that are so mad about like how would you compare a star wars to a star wars and i'm like i don't know apples to apples <laughs> that's how, that's how just, um, just, <laughs> i mean you i mean you it, it is funny cuz it that the the action that's going to end up taking place in the finale on Rick's road and the the action that takes place in the finale in the you know streets of Tatooine um how kind of similar in concept they are yeah but how far apart they are in their execution like completely just for me opposite ends of the spectrum on how those things are executed as in how well it's done in Andor and how how sort of let down I felt by Book of Boba Fett and, and I'll, I'll give them maybe some benefit that I'm I'm not sure if you know COVID filming had anything to do with, with well this how is it, I've seen the the pictures for, this was also filmed in at least mask regulations where everyone mm. on set for this is like in masks until they're mm. shooting um, so yeah I. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to to place blame or no, no. or whatever. It, like maybe maybe that's maybe the end of Book of Boba Fett is your thing, and that's fine. I just didn't see the same level of care and the sequence no. of of Boba and Din like talking about their plans versus like the four Imperials squeezed together on that balcony. <laughs> like yes. over, like like it's like it's just every shot is so good and funny. <laughs> uh. In in that planning, like... and, and and there's there's no big gaps in like why did it take twenty minutes for this to happen and during the course yeah. of the the sequencing of events here you know like it it's all paced it all makes sense I mean the, a, a big huge shout out to the production designer whose name I, I don't Luke Hall yeah um, yeah of <laughs> of uh, What's what's the HBO Chernobyl fan? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny because I I started seeing there's a lot of crossover between Chernobyl and this yeah, in terms yeah. of actors, one, actors, everything behind one. behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm you and I are we're both big Chernobyl heads here. Uh, absolutely <laughs> love the show about nuclear fallout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I binged um, it in two nights. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I was I was all over Chernobyl. Um, but to have that be like one of the actual visual references for this show like we were in the bag for this and we didn't even know it was yeah, like, yeah. we're bringing in the guy from chernobyl to do star wars i would have been like what amazing <laughs> yeah, exactly that was i had no idea and like prior like i think a few weeks prior had just been like chernobyl is my favorite thing <laughs> and, then, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then like yeah the chernobyl team's doing uh, star wars now it's like what I I'm, I love it, uh, but yeah, I mean the 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 visual language of of this finale, I, it just made me love how however this was filmed compared to what we've done previously in the volume. I, I, for me, I'm like yeah, the volume has its functions. Yeah, I don't know that that it's been utilized. I think it's being overutilized in a lot of ways, and it's it's a real crutch. Yeah. Um, for a lot of things, where it's like, hey, we can just load up the old game engine, throw some stuff, uh, you know, around the volume, and we'll shoot in there. As opposed to, we found a dam in, uh, you know, 
Northern Ireland or wherever, you know, or in the yeah. highlands of Scotland, we found these locations or we found these the brutalist architecture and we threw some Star Wars on it. And, and that's believable and we buy that. It's just the tangible nature of what this show was, I think. I mean, made me fall in love with Ferrix. I think that's one of the big takeaways is like the the texture, the tone, the feel, everything about Ferrix feels so grounded. And that's one of the big things that we've talked about throughout this entire thing is like it's very grounded, it's very human, and it's very relatable, which is not always the case for Star Wars, but this I think definitely goes out of its way to play into those things, and it's from top to bottom, from writing to design to performance, all of those things are integrated so well to make it a very human, relatable story to, uh, for better or worse, you know, our lives right now. Yeah, Um, yeah. A little too close to home. <laughs> Sometimes a little too close for comfort. <laughs> well, they they built a culture for Ferrix, and they also built a culture for the ISB, um, which is, you know, sometimes we just get the, the set decoration without yeah. the consideration of, you know, uh, where things are are coming from. And that's that the the cut of that trailer that I saw at the convention the opening shot was the the gong ringer like walking up to the bell tower and and striking the bell and i was just like oh this is distinctly different from like yeah. anything i've seen like we're spending some time on an extra just to like mm-hmm. watch him <laughs> like hit a bell um should we should we talk through the the plot of the finale a little bit yeah um so the the plot of the finale we've got um uh, cassian is returning uh, to Ferrix uh, safely and securely. They, they've even noted that, and this is, I, I missed this on the initial watch, probably because it was at 5 o'clock in the morning, but they're like, yes, we've, we've loosened security regulations to make it easier for, for yeah. comings and goings at this particular time. So, I mean, they sort of justify how everyone is able to get into Ferrix for this occasion because uh, everybody shows up. And Cassian, uh, Cassian, one of my only complaints, Cassian shows up, like, steps out into the street, just like, hey, I'm here, baby. <laughs> I don't have me, a hood on or anything. Cassian Andor. <laughs> yeah, they're showing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've got him. Uh, Dedra Miro uh, and the local Imperial Garrison are there preparing uh, for Andor. They They want to take him alive. I mean, this is all part of, essentially, the hunt for Luthen, uh, yeah. Axis, uh, who is uh, obviously Axis, or the center point of, of what they believe the Rebellion is, so that's sort of the main thing of their hunt. So if we can get Cassian, we can find out who Axis is. He's the one who's sort of tying all these things together. Uh, we did fail to mention uh, Saw Gerrera was in the previous episode. Oh, yeah, that was great. Really good. Where we where we had uh, we had Luthen going essentially to say, "Hey, we gotta let Krieger bite the dust." <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're okay with that, man. Um, what a scene! What a great what a great scene that was. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, and uh, Anton Krieger, uh, rest in peace. We we didn't know you. Uh, sounds like you were a rebellious guy. Maybe my favorite scene in the finale. I guess there are a lot for up, up, up in the running. But when yeah. we have the talk where we're we're revealing that Mon Mothma has maybe, you know, leaked her husband's gambling problem, yes, quote unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and then they walk out of that room into the conference room where they're you know wrapping up the the Krieger operation, and they're all in yeah. there. Man, that is such a great sequence, and the the graphics of the like where the bombs hit and all that. Uh, man, so good. <laughs> uh, yes, fantastic stuff. I I particular I did really love. I've I've loved everything with Mon Mothma, but the way that she is playing into the fact that the ISB driver is like you know yeah <laughs> listening in and just feeding him misinformation Old about her husband's lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to make a gif of that driver doing that kind of. <laughs> I'm not doing um, yeah, I so it. I mean, very strategically is uh, leaking about her husband's uh, gambling problem, which uh-huh. uh, at the moment he does not have, but it is uh, very choice for this uh, particular sort of cover-up operation to move the move the funds around. 
uh, as she is getting married, uh, getting ready to marry her daughter off to Davos Skolden's uh, kiddo. Uh, it seems like a beautiful meeting of the minds that we're going to have there. Um, yeah, so that that all occurs. We've um, got a uh, uh, Cinta and um, uh, Val. Val, yeah. So they're they they're meeting. Uh, Cinta is is broken, presumably from having murdered that family uh, <laughs> at the <laughs> at the end of episode uh, six. Yeah, yeah. Um, the eye on Aldani. Uh, yeah, because I think clearly that's what happened. You know, that's what Vel was like. Are you going to be okay? And what you know before they separated that episode. And I think, are you going to be okay murdering this family <laughs> after you you know killed? <laughs> Kill this family, and clearly she's not. You know, she's been broken. Uh. A lot of broken people, uh, including our broken Bix, uh, still imprisoned. Uh, who Cassian is? He's on. He's sort of on the hunt for. Yeah. Again, this is it's it's all taking place around Marva's funeral proceeding. So it, the the general hubbub around the town is is. I mean, it just is going to gradually build and build and build throughout the episode. Um, so you've got Cassian who's looking to retrieve Bix from the hotel prison. And um, how it opened and kind of the timing of the episode is built around our character building a bomb. Yes. Which is wild. I'll just say insane that we got a Disney show where our heroes include a a guy who throws a bomb at a protest. <laughs> like... Yeah, I think I was going to see that happen from from Disney. Uh, no, nope. but this is about the reality of revolutions and that they're not pretty and uh, people get hurt, uh, you know, like uh, and yeah, it's it's wild to see that guy winds up uh, in our crew at the end. Yeah, <laughs> which, yes, uh, we'll get to that, too. Um, the probably another one of my favorite moments in, in this episode is is the big uh the the funeral procession that begins. You and I are talking a little bit before yeah. the, we started recording. Uh, uh, marching bands are our canon, in and Star that's Wars. our our opening music because the uh, you know the fly in logo always has a different flavor of the theme. Mm-hmm. We got that band playing, so I was like, oh, when are we going to see that? Uh, and indeed, we do. We get some octagonal trumpets, <laughs> yes, yeah, some and triple flutes. <laughs> they they kind of look like Dr. Seuss instruments a little bit. I love yeah. it. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, we begin with the sort of the, the funeral dirge, you know, as they're making their way through the streets, and then and then whenever they, I mean, it's again, it's all building. We're setting up the empire. Who's you know, they were like, we're allowing this to happen. We've given them this much time. It's all part of their plan to you know, hopefully, draw out Cassian Andor, but. You know they're they're also the the opposition force, and then they get to the moment where the band picks up and they really start marching directly towards them, and we're gonna get to Marva's farewell speech, right? That that yeah. we have um, transmitted through through B two, uh, very functional droid. He does. Yeah, all this sorts is of stuff. one of my only complaints with the episode uh, was just that hologram's too big for a droid with power problems. Uh, but <laughs> then I imagined that as a frame of a comic book, and I was like, yeah, that's how they would do it. Uh, I yeah. got over it. But at first, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> that's a She's giant gigantic. Hologram. Yeah, yeah. She's but, huge. Yeah, maybe that's his main purpose is being a, a projector bot. I don't know. He's got a big, he's got a big old projector knobby <laughs> yeah, on top, yeah. so it might be one of his main functions. Uh, but we get her sort of rallying cry, which is essentially uh, fight the empire. And yeah. uh, the to me, it was uh, whatever sort of visual uh, the the costumes in here. I I really enjoyed uh, because it, it did. I mean, for me, the the immediate thing that I thought about was was like Revolutionary War era soldier uniforms you know yeah. like it, it's 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 a call to that it's a call to sort of like french revolution stuff like it that is sort of baked into it there is something kind of military about that look it's it's not something we've seen the characters on ferrix wear so it's it's yeah. like it's part of this it's you know the the funeral um almost celebration but like having having this particular costume that also doubles as like Hey, we're not going to take any shit. This is a revolutionary force. If we need to be, you have the rallying cry from Marva, which is, "We've we've rolled over for this long enough, and now they're here, and now the only thing we can do is fight." 
Otherwise, yeah, and, they're, they've taken everything from us. They're, they're an occupying force now. And again, if that was, wasn't well-written or well-performed, it would be a big old wet, like, cheesy, <laughs> yeah. bad moment for me. But yeah. it's so, like, uh, you know, I believe it that it's a woman that is, you know, dying, who's, like, yeah. trying to, like, sew everything together. It's got to really, I, I don't it, know, it, it just feels real. It is so, I mean, it's the right, again, the right, we can talk about how much we love all this stuff, but the writing, within the speech she acknowledges, you know, she's obviously recording this death message, and she says it's it's something to the fact it's easy for the dead to to call for for a fight. Yeah, yeah right? for the living to... Yeah, know, for the living to do the work, but, you know, the fact that she's acknowledging that in the message, because I can't fight anymore, I know it's easy for me to say, and now you are the ones who I know are going to be staring into the face of an opposing force. This is the message. And the way that it rallies them... It, it leads to that that moment of, you know, a, a violent explosion of, of, of a revolutionary moment where we get the Brick of Brasso. Yes, the Brick of Brasso. The Brick of Brasso, who uses <laughs> Marva's brick to smash the face of some, some Imperials, which I thought was fantastic. Once again, the uh, we have the well, we have the Imperial who throws the the sheet over the you know the droid or his yeah. cape, trying to shut it down, kicks everything off, and the action choreography, again in this show, is better than I don't know a lot of other shows. That brick hit looks like he hit that guy. You know, like <laughs> it's a very good in most of the the action choreography in this you know, fight that, that begins, it feels real. Um, it, it's put in a, a place, you know, that you can tell where things are happening. There's one shot of Luthen later after he's wandered away. There's one of my favorite shots where he's just kind of standing quietly, realizing mm -hmm. that a lot of people are dying. Um, and he just kind of looks down and the, yeah. there's like smoke in the distance and like a few laser bolts go by, but like the music is cut out and it just kind of gives you the sense of like, oh, right. Like the the layout of the town was thought about when they like choreographed this, partially because they had a real town. Um, yeah. I think, yes, I, I think to me, one of the what had to have been one of the hardest things to do is that. It is it's well choreographed, but it's also you get the chaos of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That that those two things can can exist together to where it's not just like it's all chaotic. No, there it yeah. is I mean the the action that's happening, there's chaos to it, but it's shot in such a way that you understand you see those moments happening. You're not completely lost in what the action is. The timeline all makes sense in the editing of it. It, it's like Book of Boba Fett's finale could have taken some notes if this had come out before me, like, hey, this is probably how you should look to do this actioning sequence. Because it, it, it captures something really well in terms of the violence, the chaos, but also the through line of what is happening and the story that still needs to be told through chaotic violence. And I think Luthen being sort of the wide angle lens at, at that end, I know exactly what you're talking about where it's like, he's higher up. He's, yeah. he's isolated and we're hearing the stuff. Like we were inside of the action. He's outside of it, observing it. It's a, it's a character moment because this is what he's been driving for. Yeah. Right? Everything about the show is, has done aftermath and fallout really well yeah. that there there are consequences to all of these actions that have taken place and we get to see them and experience them i mean from from episode one on like actions have consequences the way that that that's going to continue to ripple out through next season i'm incredibly excited for because this seems like a pretty big one because we get yeah. the mention of you know that the the slaughter of Krieger and the 30 men is yeah. just so the emperor can have the taste of Aldani washed out of his mouth. Yeah. Like we don't, he doesn't, he doesn't care about having anyone, you know, interrogated. He wants, yeah. he wants a body count. And now we're going into a full on like revolutionary moment for this thing that's happened on Ferex. that's just grown and grown and grown. And now we're seeing some more failure of the empire to, control these things like it, it seems like it's it's all gonna get a lot harder for for our good people of ferrix which is which is what 
Luthen has essentially been fighting yeah, for. Pushing. Yeah, yeah, he's very touched by Marva's speech. Um, and then he gets to witness, like, oh, yeah, well, they're this does rely on civilians with bombs <laughs> and, like, yeah. and uh, you know, a lot of people are getting shot. Uh, defenseless people are getting shot. And that's, I, I don't know. That's just the reality of a revolution. Um, it, it just, it blew my mind to see like, you know, stormtroopers or troopers with riot shields. Um, and our heroes are you know, like pummeling them and, uh, you know, starting a, a war in the streets, basically. Uh, it was shocking to me. <laughs> it was. Like, <laughs> it really was. Like the the imagery of it was because it is. It's relatable, right? I mean, it's stuff that yeah. we've seen recently within the last few years on our television screens happening in our country because some people think fascism is kind of a fun idea to play around with. Where it's like, hey, the this can't be something that we just passively keep letting happen. I think I think that's a big part of what what Marva talks about is like, you know, at a certain point, yeah, we opened up our shipping lanes and yeah, we started to essentially let them in and now they're here and they're an occupying force. And I, we didn't stop it in the beginning and now there's the only thing we can do is fight. And it, I think, I mean, for you and I definitely, I mean, we, we see these things happening on the news and in the country, it's disturbing, but we're used to this kind of imagery on the news and now seeing it reflected in star Wars is kind of like, I'm glad someone's saying something in a universe that, that I love and pay attention to. And hopefully other people love and pay attention to. That's I, I I went to a lot of protests, um, I guess in 2020 and I was on some of the, like, you know, up at the front of these like marches where there was a line of police with riot shields and then, many many military vehicles and people standing around with guns and like the tension of that <laughs> like of uh you know was was palpable and terrifying and yeah to see it represented in a way that felt real was like and in star wars <laughs> yeah was, it, it rattled me um and, and yeah. preceding that moment we finally get some of our our uh, manifesto yes um Nimic's Which, manifesto. Man, another moment that if the score if it hadn't been scored well to me, like if the music would have been a little bit too like celebratory or whatever, mm-hmm. but instead we get like this kind of dark drone with the and the shots of, you know, like Luthen looking out into the storm and all this stuff. I was like, oh, they actually did a sappy sentimental thing that is working for me <laughs> again. Like uh it's again, it's well written manifesto. Uh yeah, you know, there's some 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 great stuff in there. Uh, yeah, it's a great buildup. R.I.P. to our to our boy, Nimic, crushed <laughs> crushed by capitalism, uh, escaping <laughs> yeah. from Aldani. In a, I mean, it's poetry. It's it's poetry. Yeah. It's poetic the way that this has been presented. Um, yeah, so we we've got a big a big scuffle. A big tussle is happening. These are it's it's very much you know. Lexington and Concord, baby. You know, this is the beginning yeah. of the revolution. And um, it's just as messy as the, the Boston Massacre or whatever. Uh, again, you know, there are people that are... Uh, there are violent people on both sides of this thing who are accelerating yeah. violence, right? Like, yes. uh, whichever side you identify with. And now we have Deidre also failing on Ferrix, <laughs> just like and, Cyril. <laughs> yes, and, of course, reunited these two crazy cats are as... <laughs> As he has uh, come with the old Sergeant What's His Nuts to uh, <laughs> yeah. to be to be a part of this, we get that uh, which, cool shuttle again, uh, the yes, cool I'll, space bus. You knew Looks I loved that again. moment. Yeah. You knew I yeah. loved that. Um, yeah, so they they come in and uh, and again all because he didn't listen to his superior, who was completely right about Cassian justifiably murdering two of these yeah, corpos yeah. on Morlana One. Uh, full circle, we're back here, and this is on the escalation that's happened. Again, consequences of actions, and the way that you can see how those dominoes lead to Cyril and, and the sergeant who's been outcast to whatever post he has now, yeah. coming back to, to see if they can't help out again, heroes that they are. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Cyril is, is able to uh, pull... Pull Dedra from from the exploding bombs that are hitting other grenades. Yeah. Well, and she's like, she's about to be ripped up by a bunch of a bunch of yeah. Phyrexians. Yeah. 
Uh, so he he pulls her into a, a room and uh, they make googly eyes at each other. Cannot wait to see what happens with these two crazy cats in season two. Yeah. I mean, I I don't even want to venture a guess as to what's going to happen because I know it's going to be beautiful and terrible at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, it's uh, it's creepy on purpose, by the yes. way, everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, that's <laughs> not. It's not supposed to be a, a a beautiful love story. It's supposed to be about two weirdos. <laughs> not, I mean, um, two psychos. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean a fascist and a stalker. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a tale as old as time. Uh, so that I mean, again, that's being weaved in there. Cassian has has rescued Bix. He's taking her out. Uh, we're exiting now sort of out of kind of the chaos of the battle. We're in that kind of shipyard where uh, Brasso and uh, and crew are getting ready to escape Ferrix because... Uh, Brasso now now entered top-tier Star Wars character, as we always hoped he would. He also grabs a droid arm at one point and is whacking people with <laughs> it. Like... I, I, I cannot... I am... I will pay a, a small fortune... For the Brasso autograph that comes out in in whatever next set it comes out in, yeah, I'm need gonna a have Brasso the tops Brasso Super Fractor one of one fifteen thousand yeah. dollar bounty. I've got <laughs> it out right now. Um, he's a top. I mean, I don't know. I, he's a top tier Star Wars character for me, just yeah. based on on this alone. And I was I was thinking about it while watching it uh, here recently. Um, I was like, I love that he's just a guy. Yeah, you know. He's just a guy on Ferex who's like, I'll fight you. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with this. I'll fight you. But he's also got a big heart. He's caring. Um, and now he is off on some adventure now because they're, they're taking the ship. He's with. Oh, he's and got... they all just look devastated, too. It's amazing. Yeah. There's no celebration. They're all just no. like. <laughs> they're like, our, our Ferex is, is toast. Oh, like... and you're leaving again, Cassian? Great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Uh, so we, I will take Bix, I will take B2, I will do all of this, and we get Cassian going to Luthen's ship, and essentially saying, you can kill me, or you can take me in, and this is where we're gonna go, um, which yeah. Luthen is pretty pumped about, he knows he's he's got <laughs> someone who is going to be worthy of, of the fight, uh, in the rebellion, um, that's kind of where, where we leave it, um, yeah. getting, getting ready for season two. I love I love where we're at. Um, I'm I really do hope we get a lot of Brasso and the ship, uh, the ship crew, and yeah. see what they do. Uh, I know time's going to be a little bit different in in season two, and that every three episodes is a year. So I mean, yeah, sort of the arcs that we've had in this can kind of work as almost a prototype for short I mean, movies. I mean, yeah. feature length films essentially um, for these years leading up to. Rogue One, um, but just the way the the pieces on the chessboard are positioned at the end of this, I'm like, I'm ready for season two. You can go ahead and if you want to put a rush on on getting those shot, I'd appreciate <laughs> it because I'm ready to watch it. I want him to take as much time as possible. You see, I want him. <laughs> that's what I'm just worried. You know, how do you follow up um, after this? Um, but the good news is this season is done and complete and is kind of a, you know, about as good as a season could be in my imagination. Um, so we've got that forever. Um, and, and I do have faith that season two will be, be good. I'm just, you know, I do too. always and nervous. I mean, well, you know, we, we started by talking a little bit about expectations. And I think the thing that makes me believe in the show so next season even more is that I I never I after every sort of episode or arc I was like I don't know if it's gonna get better than that and then it yeah, does and yeah, it keeps yeah. living up to it. like okay well I should just shut up that doubting part of my mind that's like well I don't know like it, the wounded part of me as a Star Wars fan it's like just don't expect this to be good just, yeah, if you yeah. don't think it's gonna be like really good then you're just not gonna be hurt by it yeah enjoy the the dumb parts of it uh, yeah. But there was no, there was no real dumb parts of this. It was all very, uh, it was all real smart the way they did <laughs> it things. Was that. But it I mean, was so. <laughs> but yes, it was. And I, to put it in the dumbest way I can, but uh, you know, when we talk about, uh, for me, it's looking at it, the the production value of everything. Yeah, this has been a recurring thing: writing, directing, music, costumes, set, 
all of those things have synthesized perfectly for me in this yeah. show. And it's it's what I think it, every production strives for at the beginning of any of their journeys. Like, hey, we want to incorporate all of these elements. But the reality of that, if you've ever made anything... It's hard. It's yeah, really yeah. hard to do all those yeah. things. It's made easier if you have a lot of money, which Disney does. But even with all those resources, they've fallen short too. And it's not like they're trying to, you know, make something that's going to fall short of our expectations. This is the first thing that I think is just completely understood what it is and hasn't had to answer to anything else and hasn't tried to shoehorn into some other timeline. There's been so much free reign on what this is. We don't have to be like, but where are we going to get the Force users in this? You know, it's like, that's not what we're doing. We're telling a completely different story, and it's so focused and so clear in its mission that it's it's it has become one of my favorite things of the pieces of Star Wars of all time. Uh, And for me, I think that's part of the different approach. Is like the show is named Andor, but this is a show about a movement. It's about a it's about a thing, and then we get the characters out of that versus, yeah. you know, an Obi-Wan or a Boba Fett where it's like, this is about the character's story. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, the character already exists. We got a lot of story with these characters, um, maybe less with Boba Fett. Um, but but trying to construct, you know, the show around their journey versus, like, you know, something larger, reflecting, like, life back, Um I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's a harder it's a harder thing to do to to be like I'm gonna make the Luke Skywalker movie that's super compelling. Um, yeah. No, what makes Luke Skywalker compelling is that he is one part of this larger universe yeah. Um, yeah, that has a role in a universe versus the universe having a role for him, <laughs> like or just yeah. serving as a backdrop. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm just tickled. I'm tickled pink. Easy. I'm tickled pink, and I can't wait for the the tops andor official release. I give it I, to us. I would do anything for them to do it. I hope they do. I, every I mean, uh, every actor, every small role. I want those autos. I do. It, it is the first thing where I'm like, I would try to complete the autograph set of the andor series. Um, yeah. You know, and knowing that Diego Luna is going to be the most expensive one is like, oh, all right, well, I'll fork it out eventually. But it's like. Even um, the background actors, the small roles, the the security officers, I think uh, top to bottom, it's been really good. Um, which leads me, now that we're completed, we've completed this journey. Yeah. I want, I want uh, a favorite, an MVP moment, performance, character, uh, an award uh, given out. To, to something from Andor season one that, that you want to call special attention to. Wow. I, I mean, the thing that I tell people, the, like, outside of what I like most um, about Star Wars, when I talk to other people about the show, I'm usually like, you got to see Mon Mothma and this show, man. You got to see. <laughs> I just think, uh, I think her performance is so good, and what they do with that character represents what I've wanted Star Wars to do. Um, forever which is uh make things um real mm-hmm. and focus on like real life struggles um so just but just by virtue of that always coming into my mind first we we got to give some award to mon mothma uh um, i think i think you're absolutely right you know again this has been a recurring thing we're always googling over her her performance we're just like she's so good in every episode <laughs> yeah and I, I, it's funny because I think Tony Gilroy is also, um, he's acknowledged that too. He's like, you know, we, not that they inherited her, but it's like she, she's been an existing yeah. character. So this actress is someone that maybe he, he didn't cast initially, but he, he sort of said, you know, it's like, you know, comp- composing music and finding out that you've got someone who can play a Stradivarius essentially <laughs> yeah. is, is like the, the level that he speaks to her of is just like, she can do. She can perform everything that I write for her, and because he's such a good writer, he can go, he can go really deep. And she gives you so many moments where she, a look is going to give you, you know, ten pages worth of dialogue, which not every actor can do. It's like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't need a lot of dialogue. Just tell her what the moment is, and she'll 
her face will tell you her the face story. is an instrument yeah her control yeah. of her like facial muscles <laughs> like to tell like yeah. how she's feeling it's really impressive you you see those those transformative moments there's one specific when she's i mean she's walking through the party and you see her like she's in mon mothma mode and then it just drops like when she's out of earshot of everybody like oh she's amazing right yeah. like she she's just really good at this her performance yeah mvp uh genevieve o'reilly this mon mothma um i've talked about this a little bit before but i, I do just a general weird one that i want to give out the the town of ferrix yeah i love it they built that I, thing baby i love it <laughs> i love that it's built i love that there's a culture that exists that they took the time to think about those things it's yeah it's that level of detail in the writing that makes the difference because you can build a cool town and have people standing around and tell the story but they're like you know what let's think about what the everyday life is let's think about you know how you wake up in the morning let's think about you know how you go to work let's think about how i mean the the shot of the gloves on the wall is like i don't know where that came from i don't know why it exists but it's an image that sticks in my mind because someone took the time to think about it you yeah know? it's all those little touches that they have in the the production design of Ferrix that make it stand out for me uh typified by that beautiful transport that looks like something out of like art deco uh, New York City from like the 30s or 40s or something. Yeah, that bus is awesome. I love uh, it. That's I. I mean, I feel like I have a better sense of Ferrix than I do of Mos Eisley at this point. Oh, right, hundred like, percent. Yeah, like, completely. If I show up in Ferrix, I kind of know like what to do. Like, you can try to yeah. get a job and break in ships. You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like most Mos Eisley, I, I guess. Um, or I guess I don't know if Obi Wan's an anchorhead or Mos Eisley when he's cutting the fish up. I guess he can get some fish cutting gigs. But yeah, I don't really understand <laughs> how the the town works or like any of the the culture that exists yes. beyond like. There's a lot of aliens meeting here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we don't like sand people. But this is after we focused on Tatooine over and over and over yeah, and over again. Had, <laughs> well, it's the thing is, like, we've had so much Tatooine, and we're like, I still don't really know. I mean, it's just like a wild sand planet. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, why, why did people move here? Who founded this place? We still don't know all of those details about Ferrix, but we have a lot of clues that have presented themselves naturally. I mean, just the... Just the brick laying of dead people is, you know, more interesting than anything on in Tatooine's culture I can think of. Uh, yep, I I agree. Yeah, um, big so shout out to Ferrix Mon Mothma. Um, again, Brasso was just impressed that he could carry the emotional weight of this last episode in the march because yeah, he's been good and I've liked watching him. But again, yeah. it's like so many of these these actors are put into situations where they have to act their pants off and then they do. <laughs> so shout out to that. Shout out to uh Senta stabbing that guy. Also, we didn't uh, talk about that. <laughs> that yeah, was very great satisfying. Moment. Great moment. Um, and I, I wanted to mention, uh, of course, you know, overall production design, uh, but something I learned, I think I was reading in, an interview with uh, Diego Luna. They built that prison set the same way they built the alien set where they just built the thing and locked them in there all day for shooting, basically. Uh, it's like, man, so cool. I've been, because I've gone all the way back too, so I've had like a couple different rewatches going on. So, so uh, my partner and I, I've been, we've been catching up together on everything. So I, was, I just went back and saw the first episode of of the prison arc and the i mean just the like the choreography of like hey you're gonna as an actor you're gonna be doing this like that they took the time to like here's how these things are built yeah. right like there is a system in place for how those pieces of the death star uh are being manufactured and put together in this prison system and they have the thing that comes down here they've got the the parts that fit into this there seems like there's real weight to it like all of that is incredibly impressive to me from a production standpoint because it's not like you can just be like all right hey here's this stuff we're gonna get the shots like you have to learn how to do it yeah, yeah. like they had to sit there and teach them how to put this thing together so they could get all of those shots of 
everyone, not just the main table, but all of the seven tables in the room choreographing these things of like, hey, even if you're in the background, this is how these things work. It's very practical. It's a, I mean, it's seemingly minor thing, but the choreography of all that had to have been a a lot. Um, and it's the a fact lot they, of extras to work with, yeah. It is, and because you know, it's it's forty nine guys in the room. Like that's that's how those things are. Like that's how that room is is designed. So it's got all those tables. Obviously, not everyone's doing it in 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 every shot, but. If you're in a wide and a master, you have them all knowing what they're doing and the fact that they built all of those tables and have them working and functioning. I mean, who else does that? What other shows yeah. doing that? Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything. That's I went back and watched some Mandalorian episodes just to see like how they stacked up recently. Um and there's some really cool stuff with the volume. I watched the uh you know, the heist episode in season one and it's like, yeah, this hangar bay could not exist without the volume and it looks great and there are practical elements mixed in. Um, but another thing that show suffers from is a lack of extras um, and the volume, you know, kind of creates that issue um, yeah. in some ways, but like, yeah, the, the band marching and the whole town coming in, uh, like it's a lot of, that's a lot of resources. <laughs> yeah. Like, it costs a lot of money to pay that, that many people um, yep. to show up. And I'm glad they did because <laughs> it, it pays to- off. To show up and then to put them in costume too. That yeah. they all have individual costumes. Like I don't know. It's you know you, you you think about the levels that they went to in this show to to get the shots. There's a lot of care taken that is I think I appreciate um, after you know having tried to make things of my own. Uh, you know as a, artistic endeavors, seeing the lengths that this show went to. I'm just like this is kind of next level for anything that's that's been on on the d plus recently yeah yeah and yeah i I talk you know trash about other shows that i like and love like uh obi-wan and boba fett uh the creative process is impossible especially with a million people involved um so you know like i'm I'm not trying to be harsh it's just it's phenomenal when everything comes together uh, in a well-oiled and purposeful mission (laughs) it's exceedingly rare we got it with with star wars and or um hopefully we'll get it with season two um until then we've got a lot more coming up bc we got Um, what's next bad batch is next Um, we've got bad batch coming up and then uh, mandalorian season three three. so excited about that uh quick plug we're gonna do a little holiday special that's right and we're gonna we're gonna veer away from from star wars now that andor has come to an end uh, we're going to talk uh, about one of our favorite films of all time. We're going to yeah. do a little throwback to Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Ever heard of it? <laughs> nice nice little cup of cheer for everybody in yes, the holiday indeed. season. And then maybe next year we'll do uh, Two Towers. We'll get both of those towers in there. Um, yeah, uh, I want to do this one because I just want to talk about the movie, but I do always equate it with... with uh, the November December time because that's typically when they were being released back when they first came out. So I have yeah. very like strong memories of of this time of year being very much like me like in a crazed state of like give me Lord of the Rings, yeah, um, which I didn't always know I wanted until until I saw the Fellowship in theaters. So we'll get into yeah. all that, but uh, excited to talk to you about that uh, next time. Yeah, me too, BC. And uh, are we gonna do a hobby talk after this? Do you want to do one? We can. Right, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll be let's doing fire a hobby up the talk hobby talk this. machine. <laughs> It'll be on our YouTube channel. We're going to open some Book of Boba Fett uh, cards. Ooh. That's exciting. Um, but I guess that's it, BC. It's it's sad to leave Andor behind uh, because it's been a delight. Get people to watch it. I know Everyone, they, they put the first it. two episodes out on Hulu and on FX and like other places yep. to try to get people hooked in. Um, tell people to watch it or we'll never get a nice thing again. <laughs> I think, I think the word of mouth is starting to work because there are the pockets of people that I, that I know who watch Star Wars who have been burned out. Uh, it's, it's coming down to like, okay, yeah, I'll give Andor a shot. I'm like, you're not going to regret it. Yeah. yeah. Get into it. Yeah. Uh, should we, or where do you rank this before we get out of here, BC? Cool. If you, if you pretend that movies are a thing and then TV show seasons are a thing. Yeah. Where, where would you put this? Because for me, the, 
this is uh you know i'll give it some time to breathe but yeah. i think this is probably my favorite star wars thing outside of the original trilogy like i I can't think of anything that's fulfilled my my like visions and hope hopes for this universe it, more. It is, I, you know, I, when we talk about original trilogy, for me, it's it's always going to be um, Empire, New Hope, Return. I I still love, but I think um, I think this sits in like a Rebels realm with me, which you know for me is pretty high praise because yeah. I I love Rebels. I mean, it's it's right up there in like top top five Star Wars things that exist. Period. It's. Uh, I told someone it was really weird to get highly emotional watching Star Wars, not from nostalgia, but <laughs> from like right. you know genuine, uh, uh, just like plot and character moments. Um, so yeah, it's top of the pack for both of us, I guess. BC. Yep. Um, we love it. Us- Go watch it. Yeah, let us know what you thought out there. You can comment on our YouTube video. You can leave comments on our, our I don't know, on our stuff somewhere. <laughs> Do the things where the Cargo Bay pod most places where you can find us. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, until next time, I guess we're signing out uh, here in the Cargo Bay. Go smoke yourselves. Bye for now. Bye, y'all.